Everybody think. <laughs> Jesus, thank you so much for uh, this wonderful church, God, all these incredible people. I pray now that you'd uh, once again uh, just bless us with your spirit, open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I've had some conflicts in my life recently, and one of them was over Mac and PC. How many of you are Mac fans? Carmen, get your hand down. How many of you are, <laughs> two hands, <laughs> how many of you are PC fans? Thank you very, whoa, 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 that was a little, how many of you are PC fans? Thank you very much. How many of you think computers are from the devil and they never should have been invented? <laughs> Another one I've heard and I, I, I've been arguing is about diet soda. There is an argument out there that apparently diet soda will make you gain weight. How many of you believe that? No, get your hands down. You're wrong. That will, it has zero, ca- zero silch calories. All right, now, those of you who just raised your hand, go ahead and say, Pastor Tom, you're right. I just proved to you, zero, uh, once, I'll give you one more chance. Pastor Tom, I agree with you, you are right, and I was wrong. Let's just, come on, just for fun. No, you cannot do it, can you? You will not dig in, dig that in right now, huh? You know, there's, there's a, something I've observed. Part of what I do is conflict resolution for people, and there's something I've observed. Many times, it's not enough for us to just make our point, right? We've got to get the other person to agree with our point. You know what I'm saying? It's not enough that you just listen to me. You have to agree with me. If I'm wrong and you're right, what do we really want to hear? I was wrong. <laughs> Pastor Tom, you're right. You're always right. Why do I ever go up against you? No, just kidding. There's something in us. In fact, the other day, <laughs> I was doing a, a, a marriage uh, uh, counseling thing, and it was from a, a couple that wasn't from our church. And I kid you not, <laughs> we sit down, and the wife comes in and says, All right, Pastor. We are in here this morning because you have got to help me to get him to see my point. And I remember just thinking to myself, oh, no, it's going to be one of these. (laughs) There's something in us where we want, it's important for people to agree with us. In fact, we can get frustrated or offended if they don't. We can kind of hold a grudge, you know, well, they might have listened, but they don't agree with me. Well, Jesus had the same thing. Jesus, in fact, encountered more people who disagreed with him than agreed with him. And this morning, I want to introduce you to one such man. He's a special man. He's a powerful man. He's a rich man. And as he steps out of his car, flash, 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 flash. All the lights begin to sparkle as his silhouette gets cast against the building. He lifts his hands up and smiles Hands that look like divine palms reaching up to the heavens. Nobody challenges his authority. In fact, they're caught up in all of the hoopla. Here we have a real champion, a social winner, one who knows 
that he could achieve just as much in heaven as he already has on earth. He calmly, confidently walks over to Jesus and asks the question, how do I live forever? It's a rich man's question posed by someone whose bills are paid. He's not thinking of the lesser things. You know, what am I going to eat tomorrow? Or what am I going to drink? Where am I going to sleep? Who might give me a little bit of this or a little bit of that? Who am I going to marry? These things are already taken care of. He's already got all of those things under his belt. He is secure in his spot in life. And so now he's ready to ask Jesus the ultimate question. How do I win in heaven as much as I've won on earth? Because of this encounter, we have one of the hardest sayings that you'll find in the Bible. One of the hardest things that Jesus called one young man to do when he said, go, sell all of your possessions. Jesus first looks up at the skies, then down into the dirt. It's a question he's heard before. He begins to drift off and gaze at the outline of the Judean mountains. There's a crowd forming. Crowds always form around this kind of man, and of course, crowds were forming around Jesus a lot at that time too, so we've got double the crowd, one on the side of the rich man, the other crowding around Jesus. What is Jesus going to say with this question? What is he going to do with this exchange? Jesus looks the man in the eyes and says, turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. No, he didn't say that, but turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. That's what we would say. <laughs> Beginning in verse 16, he says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus replied, Well, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. He's speaking of God. If you enter life, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The rich man asks. Well, Jesus replies, well, you know, shall not murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the young man looks at Jesus and says, I've done it. I've kept these. What do I still lack? That's interesting, by the way. He answers Jesus' question. Jesus says, well, you know what to do. Keep the commandments. And the young man says, I have. What do I still lack? He's still sensing a lack, even though he achieved what was asked of him to achieve. That's, that's powerful when you think of it. And Jesus is clearly impressed because he goes further. And Jesus says, all right, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Of all the people to come to Jesus and all the stories we have about Jesus, this is one of the people who actually seems to walk away worse than when he came. But actually, I think he walked away better. I think Jesus gave him something to really think about. Jesus sees a man who will do whatever is required of him to win, to achieve, to outperform. 
to be the best, a man of the men, and to add salvation to his list of accomplishments. Nothing, nothing would be withheld. He is a superman capable of handling a super assignment, ready to accomplish as much in heaven as he already has on earth. But Jesus deals him a devastating blow when he looks at him and says, young man, following God is much more about subtraction than addition. Jesus responds first with what the young man already knows. You know the commandments. Any apprentice in Judaism would have known the commandments. But the man is looking for more than commandments, isn't he? He comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do? I've done these. There must be something more than this because I don't feel assurance in these. What must I do? And that was a very popular belief in Jesus' day that there was some, something we could do, some way to earn a measure of eternal life, an assurance of eternal life. What must I do? As long as my list of good deeds outweigh my list of bad deeds, by the time I die, then I'll have a good in the afterlife. That was the thinking. 51.49. Hopefully that 51 is on the good. Hopefully. There was a lot of that kind of thinking. And Jesus, of course, listens to this as a very common belief. The Apostle Paul would be the one to literally set an atomic bomb against that thought when he wrote one of the most important verses in all of Christian theology. And I'm not talking about Romans 6. Romans 3, chapter 20, Paul says, and I'll, I'll just paraphrase it for you. I won't do it word for word, but essentially this. The law was given to show right from wrong, to show God's ways versus our ways. But in the end, the law was given so that we would realize we could never do this to get eternal life. None of us are going to make it. None of us have this kind of ability. This is just not, this is just not, it's inhumanly possible to be able to do all this. There's no one that can do this. That's one thing the young man failed to understand. But Jesus nevertheless entertains his question. Here is a true seeker. He had realized that the law was not enough. He was rich with wealth, rich with influence, rich with piety. And yet he was going through an awakening. So Jesus, looking past his fine clothes looking past his bodyguards, looking past his piety, looking past his checkbook, he went straight into the man's heart. He says, all right, all right, you've come to the right guy. You want to hear about eternal life? I've got some answers about eternal life. Come here, come here, bend down with me. You want to go down this road? Let's go down this road. I am ready, I am willing, I am able. And he whispers and he goes, I want you to go. I want you to go back home. I want you to sell everything you got. You got to get rid of it. And then I want you to come, give it to the poor. I want you to come, and I want you to follow me. You see, listen, it's not that your money is bad, mister. It's that right now for you, it's in the way. We've got to clear these things out so that you can be free to follow me. Would you do that? Are you game for that? You see, eternal life is great, only you have to have your hands free to take it. 
Because, mister, eternal life is not about addition, but subtraction. You don't add it to your list. You give up your list. And so I would ask you this morning, Neighborhood Bible Church, what is in your hands that you might have to lay down? If you look, do you hear that? Oh, that sounds like fun in there. <laughs> Some kid just went, yeah! Right at the right moment, too, by the way. Couldn't have scripted that better. If you read, you go on the internet and you read a lot about this verse, you'll find a lot of commentaries and sermons about how this is really a message to not forget the poor and to, and to give to the poor and make sure that in our wealth we're always seeking to bless those who have less. And I don't disagree with that for a moment. I think we absolutely should be doing that. I don't think that's the point of this paragraph. For many of us, Jesus wouldn't say that. This man in this era is part of the 1%. Uh, he's probably, in terms of our economics, you know, a, a multi-millionaire, probably just shy of a billionaire. And as far as I know, we don't have one of those in our church. As far as I know. If we have, you've been holding out. <laughs> I'll just say that. But as far as I know, we don't really have someone who most likely fits this category. For most of us, Jesus is going to be asking things like this. Go, give away your gossip, and come and follow me. Go, give away your pride, and come and follow me. Go, give away lust and covetousness, and come and follow me. Go, give away your arrogance, and come and follow me. Go, give away your need to win every argument, and come and follow me. Go, and repent of this, and come and follow me. It's whatever we have in our hands that's keeping us from grasping our God-given right to something better, which is that eternal life. But we often hold on to things. I know for me, it was unbelief. I was raised in the modern school system. I had God explained away by the time I was in fourth grade. I never imagined that there would be a creator. I never imagined there would be spiritual things. I used to laugh at mock at people who believed in that. Most of them would have been you. <laughs> I just painted a target on myself, didn't I? It was unbelievable. I didn't believe. I thought it was a bunch of baloney. I gripped onto it. Even as I began to see things that challenged that, even as I began to see things in the spiritual realm, easy, I was still gripping on No, no, it can't be true. There's got to be an explanation. Got to, I grip onto it. If I don't approach Jesus, he would have said, go, lay down your unbelief, believe in me, and follow and you'll have eternal life. Obviously, I, that's what I did one day. But there's many days before that where I had to wrestle. And here's how you know what it is. It's the thing that's hardest to give up. To be honest with you, I could probably give up a lot of money. I have. If I told you my financial story to be a ministry... Money was not the thing that was the worst thing for me to give up. There have been other things. I gripped on tight, very hard to let go of. In fact, it causes a little pain to let go of it. That's why, that's why we don't. Who wants to go through pain if they don't have to? But Jesus is making a statement. It's letting go of whatever is getting in the way, letting go of whatever's hindering us 
from that relationship with God. It's not necessarily about money. Jesus is definitely saying that the poor do not inherit the kingdom of God with their poverty any more than the rich would with their wealth. Jesus is issuing an invitation to become smaller, to become agile, to become less encumbered, less attached. Who'd have ever thought that for this guy, the opposite of rich would not be poor, but free? And that's exactly what Jesus was going for. How free are you? How free are you to follow God? What prevents you from that? As a youth pastor for 12 years, I know what prevents a lot of people. Popularity, status. There's a lot of things that are very hard to give up. And of course, you don't give those up in the wrong way. I've seen that too. Give it up in the godly way. Who'd have ever thought that the gates of heaven were wide enough for a bicycle, but not a limousine? Well, of course, Jesus' apostles are standing around him. And what the rich young ruler did not realize is there were some who had already given all. Peter, James, and John, they owned a successful fishing business. They had left that to follow Jesus. In fact, they would come to say one day, Jesus, we left everything to follow you. I mean, come on, what's, what, what's going to happen here? And Jesus would say, you will not fail to receive the reward for everything you've given up to follow me. Matthew, Matthew, the guy who's writing this. You wonder why this story is so important to Matthew? Matthew was an IRS agent back in the day. And they didn't just tax you for what you owed the government. They slipped their fee on as well. And that could be double your tax. If you owed 20 bucks, he'd say, I want to tax you 40 bucks. He'd take 20 and give Rome 20. Matthew had some money. Matthew had a promising job. Gave it up. Gave it up to follow Jesus. And if you were standing here today, he'd look at all of us and say, it doesn't take a hero to follow the man who set you free. So here we have an incredible precipice. Jesus calls. We go. And stuff gets left behind. That's just the way it happens. Things are not as important as they were anymore. That fight you got to win is no longer as important anymore. That thing you got to do is no longer as important anymore. That status you got is no, is no longer as important anymore. Because the importance of the mission in Christ, of Christ begins to rise. Jesus isn't berating money. He's not, this isn't a sermon negatively about money. He is not in any way trying to make the man feel bad because he's rich. He's just trying to point out it's in the way. We got to remove what's in the way to get what you really want, to get something of infinite value. Isn't it odd that this man, quite wealthy on earth, and yet struggling to find eternal life, approaches this poor, destitute son of God, yet has all glory and eternity. Quite a contrast of people, I would say the least. And so whatever is in the way is what Jesus is getting at. And for many of us, 
it probably won't be things like money or status or popularity. But it might be bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, anger, lust, gripping onto it so tight you wouldn't even know how to let it go. Maybe even in that, that's where we begin. God, help me to let this go. Help me to be free. For he who the sun sets free is free indeed. If you look on your sheet, I've got four points there that Jesus really comes out when we're talking about dealing with people. And the first one is this, let the questions do the talking. I love the fact that Jesus did not answer the man right away. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. He didn't just go right into the solid biblical answer. He asked some questions. He wanted to find out a little bit about the guy. He wanted to see where, where you know, some of his opinions lie. Well, you know, we talked about the goodness of God. We talk about some of the commandments. As a conversation brews, Jesus begins to take it deeper and deeper, not for himself, but for the man. It's odd, but especially in marriage counseling. I, I, I do those probably half and half now. And the more I do it, the more I'm seeing that sometimes I see this husband and fight, uh, wife conflicting about something. And he's arguing about one thing in the fight. She's arguing about another. And they actually think they're talking about a third thing. And I'm just kind of like scratching my head going, how in the world do I bring this back to the issue? Because, I mean, they're passionately involved in all these different things. So just ask questions. The first rule of all conflict resolution, ask questions. Ask questions. You do not have enough information. Often, when that argument gets to a, a, a real disagreement, you need to ask those questions in order for everybody to know what we're talking about. Because as human beings... We rabbit trail off so quickly that all of a sudden this one wet towel that you find on the bed becomes 12 years of he doesn't listen to me and, and she doesn't do this. And she, you know, and, and when the issue is put your towel on the hook, bro, you know, put your wet towel on the hook. So, some of you, this might be hitting close to home here. You know? Where did I put my towel this morning? My goodness. Second thing, let the issue be the issue. You ask questions in order to find the issue, and then let the issue be the issue. Uh, you know, when you're conflicting with somebody, it's not the time to bring out all 99 things you got against them. You just deal with one thing at a time. Third thing, and this is perhaps the hardest thing. Jesus allowed the rich man to walk away. I know for many of us, we'd almost want Jesus to run down the road and say, wait, 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 okay, I'm sorry. You know what, keep all your possessions. Just come follow me. You know, wait, 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 I'm sorry. You know, you know what, we can, let's work out some sort of deal. In fact, how about you give them all to me and then come follow me and then I'll just kind of, you know. I mean, we, we think that Jesus might just try to go back and say, you know what, I, I really, let's work this out. But he doesn't. He lets his statement stand 
And he is quite secure in himself and saying, all right, boys, pack up. We're still going to Jerusalem. I still got an appointment with destiny there as the rich ruler walks away. And I struggle with this sometimes. When somebody disagrees with me, I got to go hunt them down and make sure they heard my point, make sure they understand what I was saying, make sure, you know, do you agree with what I, you know? When sometimes we just got to let it stand. I had a, 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 in my office years ago, I had somebody who was, this has only happened once in my life. I had an, a person who was an atheist in, in, the, in my office. I mean, I've had many atheists in my office, but one time where it turned out this way, and we're talking, we're talking, and he's just telling me how absolutely convinced he is that there's no God. And finally, at some point, I said, well, okay, um, there's probably not much more for us to talk about then. I mean, it's, you, you know, you've come to a conclusion. And, I, you know, I'm, I, you know I don't, I'm not going to try to talk you out of that. I mean, I'd like to, but you, you seem pretty firm. And so I, I stood up, and I'm coming around my desk, and, I, and I, before I was about to shake his hand and show him to the door, I said, but there's one thing I want you to know. God will never let go of you. God will never let go of you, even if you don't believe in him. And I awkwardly, I'm putting my hand out to shake him and pull him up, and, and he just kind of put his head down. He's staring at the carpet. Now I'm thinking, man, what do I do? I'm like standing in front of him. My desk is over here. You know, I mean, he's, he's just catatonic for a moment. So I just kind of back off, go around my desk. You Okay. And I could tell he's really chewing on that. You know, but God will let, never let go of you. Just because you disagree with God, he's not going to let go of you. I know for me, I have that tendency, if somebody disagrees with me, I write them off. I got the vendetta with a big V by their name. <laughs> you go against me, you've just gone against Italy. You know, I mean, just, uh, you know. But God doesn't work that way. Man, there was a melting going on in that man. Just by an odd statement, I had basically said, "All right, there's no, no, you know, you, you, you made your point. Let's go. You know, let's end it. I'll see you to the door." And one little statement, he could not leave that office. Honestly, I think it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit made him stay. You got to hear more. I love you. And then finally, letting the grudges go with him. You know what we don't read about Jesus, which I love? You don't hear, like, you know, a few weeks later, Jesus sitting around the campfire going, wasn't that rich young man stupid? You know, wasn't he such a dork? I gave him the way to eternal life, and he just walked away. What a bonehead is he, you know? You don't see Jesus kind of carrying this, you know, oh, I can't believe they didn't listen to me. Oh, I can't believe, you know. He doesn't carry the grudge. He let it go. In fact, if you'd asked him, on the cross, what was one of the people on his mind? I bet you it was this man. I bet you it was. If you read the account in Mark, you know what Mark says? Mark says Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. I mean, we know Jesus loves everybody, but it was written that he loved him. And I would encourage us, let go of the grudge, people who don't agree with you. Not everybody's going to agree with you. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to see your point. We all come from different come-froms, right? 
And because we all come from different comforts, we're not going to see it the same way. That's okay. That doesn't make everybody inherently evil. I, I believe with all my heart that this young man never forgot what Jesus said. Maybe he never sold it all. Maybe he did. I don't know. But I believe one day he came to Jerusalem years later and he sees Peter preaching telling him about the resurrection of Christ, telling him about this man, Jesus. And that this young man comes up to him and says, do you remember me? Peter goes, yeah, I remember you. And the rich man says, I have estates on Cyprus, northern Lebanon, and Damascus. I'm signing them over to you. I want to come and follow. Now I know what it means. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, what are we holding on to in our hands? What is it that we have to have hands free to take it? Is it gossip, criticism, pride, narcissism, superiority? Is it anger, hatred? Maybe for some of us, it's unbelief. I know that one all too well. God, it's, this morning, it's not about what Pastor Tom says. I pray that nobody would walk away trying to agree with me. I'm just a man, just a human being. But God, I pray that we would all walk out agreeing with you, agreeing with God, that you are who you say you are. You'll do what you'll say you'll do. And we have what you said we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. If you've never prayed this this morning, you don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to jump and do backflips. You don't need to do anything other than this in your heart and mean it all. Just pray one simple prayer and you just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins and my mistakes, my brokenness. I receive you into my heart freshly as my Lord and Savior. I receive the Holy Spirit as the gift you have for me. I commit to following you. What the rich young man couldn't do, this morning, I make a decision to do. Because God, you'll never let us go. You'll never let us go. Stand with me.